Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. I had a vision, one of those real bona fide kind of things where I was praying and I saw something that seemed to me to be bigger than my mind and bigger than my imagination. It seemed to be an interruption. It seemed to be uh, uh, what I can only describe as uh, a vision. I didn't see it with my eyes. I saw it with the eyes of my spirit. And it's going to sound strange, but I saw a hairnet. Y'all know these hair, what a hairnet is? I saw, I was way up above a football field. And down on the football field, it looked like there was maybe, you know, 200 people or more all on the football field. And a hairnet was stretched over them. It's the strangest thing. I didn't, you know, if I was going to make something up, I'd make it up a whole lot more interesting than this. (laughs) But uh, that's what I saw. And, uh, you know, my commitment is that anytime I feel as though the Lord is speaking to me, I want to get every ounce and every drop I can out of it. And so... I began to peer and I, did, I, I didn't want anything to touch it. I didn't want anything. I, did, I didn't want to try to, you know, I just wanted to just look at it. And while I was looking at it, the people were moving down the field. And the Lord spoke in my mind and said, are they moving forward? And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, look closer. And I looked closer. And even though they were moving forward, even though the hairnet was moving forward, in order to accommodate it, I, there were an, op, a, a, an obstacle or two on the sides. But in order to accommodate the forward movement of the group, some people were moving sideways and some people were having to step back, but they were moving forward. But not everyone was moving forward, but they were moving forward. And it went away. And so I pondered it and pondered it and I wrote it down and I've been pondering it for years, but it's, it's my best understanding that we're moving forward. Not everyone is moving forward. <laughs> you know, some days it's my turn. Some days it's your turn to sidestep. <laughs> some days it's uh, my turn. Some days it's your turn to, 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 to even step back a little bit to, uh, to further accommodate the forward move. It's not always something that, that we, uh, you know, we may not always feel as though that we are the ones moving forward. But when we take a look and see what, what is happening in our family, what is happening in our church, what is happening in, in, in the church, we can see that we're taking ground, we're moving forward, good things are happening, you know, and, and to be a part of that moving forward is certainly blessed. I feel blessed to be included, even on days perhaps when I'm sidestepping. And just bear in mind that, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're doing well. Okay, it's, uh, you know, some of us are hurting, some of us are stretched, some of us are, you know, uh, wondering when it's going to be our time to step around that other person or for somebody else to step back and let us go forward. But, you know, as a whole, uh, I'm very thankful to be a part of a church in this generation, the church, not just our church, but 
but a generational church that's taking ground for the Lord. We're on every front, you know, in, in the United States of America and around the world, the church is doing well. And uh, every one of us, however, have our good days and bad days. Tonight in Acts chapter 6, we're talking about the answer. And so let's look in verse number 1, okay? Uh, now in those days, reading from the New King James Version. Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Now, during the initial days of the church, you know, uh, uh, there in Jerusalem, while it was yet very, very young, the church experienced substantial growth. We're talking about they were having people added to the church every day, but on top of that, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost, and then there's every indication that 5,000 people believed later. And so here we're, we're, we're looking at phenomenal growth in Jerusalem. This was the first church ever, and initially uh, this phenomenal growth was able to be managed somewhat by these 12 uh, disciples of Jesus, by these 12 apostles. You know, the original 11 plus Matthias. Those 12 were able to, to manage church uh, right up until the point to where they couldn't. I mean, can you imagine administrating all of the affairs of the church? Twelve guys administrating perhaps a church of, of uh, not, not just administrating, but also doing the practical necessary things. Uh, praying for every person, teaching every person, visiting every person, you know, discipling every person. I mean, it had to be quite a lot for these twelve men in this church that could have been between five and eight thousand people. And uh, when the number of converts became so large that these 12 men and their assistants were no longer able to, to well manage, problems began to surface. And of course they will. I mean, uh, around here, you know, I mean, uh, it, it, uh, if we didn't sweep, it would finally get too dusty to be in here, you know? And uh, the, I mean, lots of things, uh, you know, uh, uh, simple things uh, from toilets needing flushed to, to songs needing to be learned. You know, there's all kinds of things that, that, that need to be done. And so it was evident that the church needed more anointed and appointed decision makers. Well, uh, these decision makers needed to shoulder the weight, but they also needed to be servant leaders. They needed to have the same heart as Jesus had. And not just leaders, but servant leaders. And, and the Holy Spirit, in, in, in the Holy Spirit's wisdom, included this for us right here in Acts chapter 6. That's so neat. He included this scenario for us so that we would, would, would see how we should operate in a New Testament church. Now, the stress and strain on leadership that God had chosen throughout history, when God chose somebody to lead, I mean, the stress and the strain that came on that leader is well documented. You know, Moses was so stressed out. His father-in-law just saw him uh, one day, and Jethro said to him, my goodness, Moses, you're going to wear away. You've been there from morning to evening, and all the people come to you. And he said, yes, the people come to me because they have questions, and they have questions. I have to answer them because, I mean, God's speaking to me and God told me to lead him and I'm the leader. And Jethro said, listen, Moses, the thing that you're doing is not wise. You can read about it in, in, in Exodus, in the book of Exodus, in, in chapter 18, also in Numbers 11. Uh, uh, he, he did something.
something else. But in, in Exodus 18, Jethro said, listen, Moses, you need to get a group of people and you need to appoint some other leaders. And, and, and you know, God will help them and give them wisdom. And, and so Moses put, uh, put captains over tens and you know, captains over hundreds and fifties. And he would get groups of ten, groups of fifty, groups of a hundred, groups of a thousand, ten thousand. And each one of them made up. So every person, every fifty people had a leader. You know, this is just about what Jesus did as well. You know, he, he, he managed about 12 people and their families. You know, Peter was married and, and, and all the family. So generally, and, and the ladies in his entourage, about 50 people. And then, you know, whenever they were going to feed the multitude, you know, Jesus didn't feed the multitude. Jesus had the disciples feed them, but first they set them down in rows of 50. And so throughout uh, 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 Christianity, we understand uh, even today as we're calculating how many pastors we need to release and train every day, we calculated on about 50 born-again believers. So today, uh, you know, about, uh, well, more than 50,000. These are statistics from about two years ago. 50,000 people being born again every day means that the church worldwide needs to release, train and release, identify, disciple, equip and release 1,000 new pastors, church leaders, teachers every day. Amazing, huh? That's just to keep up with growth. And we are, we are so short uh, of today. Uh, in, in, in the United States, there is one ordained pastor for about every 330 people in the United States. Step outside the United States, and there's one for about every 240,000 people. Okay. And the ratio should be about 1 to 50. Because Moses set captains over uh, tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands, and it's just a pattern. And as... As well, not only did he do that, he also later in, in, in uh, Numbers 11th chapter, God said, Moses, you know, uh, the, the answer to your problem of, 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 of having so many problems, and we, we, we taught on this recently, is that what you need to do is, is ordain more anointed leadership. And I will anoint them. If you will appoint them, I will anoint them. You choose 70 men, and I will take of the same spirit that's on you, and I will put it on them. And so Moses chose 70 men. 68 of them agreed. Two of them didn't. But God went ahead and released his spirit on all 70 of them. I found that to be very interesting, huh? Uh, and and uh, they, they, they prophesied, and they began to be leaders and elders in, uh, in, in, in the, the large congregation. Uh, because Moses, as Jethro said, you'll wear away trying to do all this, and there's no way in the world one man could meet the needs of, 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 of you know, two, two and a half million people. Can you imagine having two or two and a half million people knocking on your front door? Well, uh, it, it was amazing. Every growing group in God's kingdom, every growing group of people have instituted this same organizational structure. Uh, it aids in decision-making. It, it helps in workload uh, because there's only so much time in a day, only so much time in a life. And, and every person at some point in life will need to be taught, will need to be touched, will need to be loved, will need to be comforted, will need to be visited, will need to be married, will need to be buried, will need to be, you know, I mean, every person at some point in life in their Christian walk is going to need some attention. And unfortunately, it's, a, you know, a church is almost like, uh, like uh, uh, you know, uh, going to the doctor. You look, if you need something, you just about got to go to the emergency room and then you're going to have to wait in line. Yeah, because why? Because there aren't that many. 
you know, imagine 330, one ordained uh, pastor for every 330 people in the United States. That, that's pretty good, but that's still, you know, almost seven times more than Jesus took care of. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Well, uh, there is a higher demand and a greater burden on church leadership uh, and, and, uh, than, than there is in, in the business world. In the business world, we see a business model. We see a government model. We, we can see models of governing, but, but there's a different and a higher demand on the church than there is on the business. The businessman has a, a, a bottom line of money. A church leader has a bottom line of eternal souls. There's a little different demand. And also there's, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in business or working on a job or, you know, you, you can be given a job and you're paid for it. However, most of the work in the body of Christ here in the United States and worldwide is done by people who are not going to be getting paid for it. They're taking on an extra burden and also they're not going to be getting a whole lot of thanks because this whole lot is like going to an emergency room. Uh, my goodness, you're, 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 you're in need. You know, uh, many times when someone comes to see me, I, I'll, I'll jokingly say, uh, uh, gosh, you know, has it come to this? You've come, you know, uh, you, you had to come see the preacher, you know? I'll, I'll, uh, husband and wife come see me. I normally look at the husband because I hadn't seen him in, you know, in, in, in church perhaps. And he's sitting there with his wife in front of me. And, uh, and I'll say, you know, well, what'd you do to, that she made you come see the preacher? You know, because I mean, going and seeing a preacher is almost like, oh my goodness, going to see the principal. You know, uh, and uh, and then you know sometimes people bring their kids to see me, and and bless their heart, you know, uh, it's 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 not too hard to imagine the kids don't want to be there, so it's almost like punishment, you know, when you go to see the preacher. You know, uh, I'm going to take you to see the preacher. I'm going to take you to the principal, kind of thing. And so, uh, but yet we work for souls, and uh, you know, uh, and and God has chosen the church as His vehicle. Uh, you know, not just one local church, but the church. God has chosen the church as his vehicle to, to foster his family, to help his family, to grow his family. And, uh, and, and the far majority, of, uh, I said, of, of, of ministry that is accomplished, it's accomplished by people who willingly volunteer to carry a portion of the burden that God has for his family. You know, think of our Sunday school teachers. Think of our ushers. Do you know uh, our, our ushers, uh, you know, we appreciate them. Bill, thank you and all the ushers. We appreciate you so much. But not everyone appreciates them because sometimes they have to say, could you move your car? You know, could you, you know, could you, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they aren't always appreciated. You know, uh, maybe they forgot to, you know, put the, put, put the chair in the right place. Or Sunday school teachers. You know, uh, our, 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 uh, you know our, our children's workers, our youth workers, you know, uh, my goodness. You start messing with people's kids. You know, you start messing with, uh, listen, in the nursery, you let one little kid buy another little kid. It doesn't matter how wonderful our nursery workers are. Uh, they're about to, you know, hear what they didn't do. And, uh, you know, and, and many times these are just precious people that are, that are exposing themselves to, to a lot of um, um, potential um, ridicule for not having, you know, not watching, you know, over my little baby like you should have been watching. I mean, listen, whew, 
I was, uh, I, I, I was the principal of a school one time, and, and uh, uh, I, I finally got to telling parents when they would come in to see me, I would say, listen, if you won't believe what your child comes home and tells you about our school, I won't believe what they come to school and tell me about you. Because <laughs> it's going both ways. <laughs> but oh my goodness. Uh, so here we are in, in Acts chapter 6 with this newly formed church of believers. And uh, they have reached critical mass. No doubt things have been going bad for some time. No doubt, uh, you know, and, 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 and it wasn't from a bad heart, but things were just getting missed. And when things begin to get missed, uh, it, it, it can create problems, uh, especially when you're dealing with this number of new converts. You know, those of us who have been in the kingdom for a long time, you know, we're, we're kind of a little more thick-skinned, and we can kind of handle a lot of our problems. And from time to time, we may need a little help or encouragement. But, but you take a new believer that's just coming out of the world, and they come into church. Uh, can you imagine having 5,000 new believers that they really don't know what's going on? I mean, they just converted from, from, from uh, being a, a, a Jew, from Judaism and, and following the law. And now they're in church, and now Pastor James and, 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 and the 12 apostles here, uh, you know, uh, wh wh what's it all about? You know, I, I, mean, uh, I mean, people are, are, are selling their, their houses and lands, and they're giving the money to the church, and the church is supposed to be helping me. I mean, that was the indication Pastor Ken just taught on that last week. That was, a, that, 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 that was the body of Christ. Not that, not that that's doctrine and not that we're supposed to do that. that that's not doctrine for us to do. It's, it, it, it's, it's an example of what they did in a heart to be a house that would meet needs. Hoping that they could meet the needs. And that's, of course, what we all hope. And, 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 and they were doing that in a demonstrated way. Uh, but, but uh, you know, uh, uh, gosh, here the children of God... Uh, uh, these Jews as God painted the picture of them in the Old Testament and also in the early church, uh, many times it seemed as though they felt entitled. Do you know what feeling entitled is? That means that, that, that you're supposed to do this for me. This is what you are supposed to do for me. That's an entitlement. And this is how the children of Israel felt. Coming out of, 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 of the land of Egypt, you know, the, the first stop was the waters of Merah. And, and they were bitter waters. And all of a sudden, the children of Israel lift up a complaint against Moses. And they, I mean, literally, they finally, at, at, at many points, wanted to kill Moses. Why? Because he was not providing for them. I mean, but they were getting fed every day, and they were getting water every day, and they were getting led every day. But, but they felt more entitled and they just wanted what they wanted because they had been in Egypt. They had been in the world and they were just newly run out of the world. And they just, you know, they, they had a worldly approach to this, to this God thing. You know, you're the servant of God, therefore you're supposed to help me. I mean, it's the same thing that Ahab experienced. The king of Israel experienced whenever, you know, Moses, he, excuse me, Elijah, he blamed Elijah. That, you know, it's your fault. I'm going to kill you. I mean, over and over and over. Uh, Moses, Jesus was just a target, you know. Uh, but what in the world was the answer? You know, uh, God was unable to please everyone. And so why in the world should anyone else think that they could please everyone? But the answer that God gave in Acts 6 was not to reduce the number of people that were getting saved. 
It wasn't to make the churches smaller. It wasn't to divide up into denominations and let each one decide what they want and who they want as leader and go about that. That, that wasn't God's answer. God's answer was to reproduce anointed leaders that would be appointed just like Moses did, just like Jesus did, just like David did, just exactly like the first church was told to do by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. It was to reproduce leaders who would receive the call of God, be equipped, be given delegated authority to make decisions necessary to meet the needs and be released into ministry. It's the same problem we face today. See, the only limit that Jesus said that we have in Matthew, the ninth chapter, verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. This is what Acts 6 is saying. The answer is and always has been more laborers, more leaders. Because not any one leader is going to be able to get to everything. Church is designed by God to be big. God himself wants a big church. He wants a big family. It's by God's design. Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 23, you can read it. God said, I want my house to be full. Go out into the highways and the byways and compel people to come to the house of God because I want my house to be full. In the Old Testament, he prophesied to lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes and, and stretch out the tents of your curtain, the curtains of your tent because I want to enlarge you and I want to fill you up. Oh, that God could have his will and that every seat in America, in fact, if every seat in every church in America was filled today, do you know that we would not have room for all the people in, the war, uh, in, in America? In fact, if every person in America went to church today, 80% of them would not have a seat. And yet churches sit empty in America and they're closing down in record numbers. About a hundred per week are closing their doors in America today. Bigger churches, however, are growing. It's God's hope. It's God's desire. Big church is God's desire. He's provided a pattern, a structure to handle as much growth as the saints can muster. But along with church growth, God knows that we need multiplied leadership. People who are willing to shoulder a portion of the load as we do here. Do you know it takes, a, you know, a, 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 you know, for vacation Bible school, I think we had a hundred and I don't remember, 65 workers, something like that. Going to India, we'll have, you know, today, uh, I think there's 48 people on the list going to India, every one of them working, and we're only limited by how many workers we can take is how much work we can get done. 
Every day God is willing for our church to double. Every day God is willing for the church worldwide to, to exponentially grow. But it's dependent upon sheep having sheep. And it's also dependent upon us being able to care for those sheep. God knows that multiplied people also means multiplied successes. There are multiplied problems and multiplied successes. But it's still the will of God. And sheep reproduce sheep. Shepherds should reproduce shepherds. Okay? That's the natural and the spiritual order of things. It is, it is my job to reproduce ministry. It is your job to get people born again. That's how the jobs are. That, that's the demarcation. I also have a personal salvation I am also a born-again Christian. And so I have a responsibility to witness as well. But my main calling and gift from God is to reproduce shepherds, to equip saints to work ministry. And the saints, sheep have sheep, shepherds have shepherds. That's, that's God's hope and God's desire. Most of the work of the church was not done on a Sunday morning inside a building. Most of the church work done in the book of Acts, for example, and all throughout the epistles, those things were done in the walk of life, outside the church, in daily encounters with people. And it was done by people who were walking with Christ in their daily witness. So, Acts chapter 6. This is where... Uh, our study has brought us verse 1. Let's read it again. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The church, as I said, was started in Jerusalem. And, and Jews, when Jews, it, it, it was started with Jews. And when Jews accepted Jesus as Messiah, they would become a part of the church. And there were two major groups of Jews. I'm not talking about the Sadducees and Pharisees, okay? But there are two major groups of, of, of Jews in Jerusalem in this day. One of them is called Hebrews, and one of them were called Hellenists. Some, uh, Hellenists is also Grecians. Hebrews and Grecians, okay? Two big groups. The Hebrews, the way we know them, is these are the people who were generally born and raised in Jerusalem. And they spoke Hebrew and they followed a more traditional uh, approach to Judaism. Okay? Uh, you could recognize them uh, mainly because of their speech. Because they were a little more conservative, a little more traditional. They had been in Jerusalem, raised in Jerusalem. They were, I mean, they were, they were, you know, dyed in the wool, you know, Hebrews, Jews, 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 Jews. The Hellenists, who are also known as Grecians, many times they had been born somewhere else or else they had been educated in, in, in some other place. And they were more accustomed to a little more modern less traditional, a little more modern thought. And for that reason, instead of speaking Hebrew, they would choose to speak Greek. So they were called Grecians. And they followed a little more modern, a little more uh, um, present day, current day. Uh, I, I don't want to say liberal, but, but, but that might be a little bit uh, uh, true. Okay? 
that, that they weren't just, you know, the old standard, traditional, what we imagine as the ones wearing the black hats and the black coats and the uh, long streamers. You know, that was, that's our day. That wasn't their day, okay? <laughs> they didn't look like that then. Uh, but these were more traditional, really religious people. These people believed in God just as much, but they spoke Greek and they had a little more modern approach and, and they, 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 they weren't necessarily born and raised in Jerusalem. Many times they were from somewhere else and they had moved to Jerusalem and they were perhaps from another country or another custom, but their language was Greek and they were, uh, you know, more exposed to the Roman Empire than just, uh, and so here, Jews from both of these groups were getting born again, okay? And uh, you can imagine that, that, first of all, they didn't necessarily appreciate one another in normal life. And, 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 and they didn't necessarily even all worship the same in normal life. Like you had Pharisees and Sadducees, you had, uh, you had, you had Jews and, and Hellenists, uh, Hebrews and Hellenists. And so uh, here, whenever they would get born again, and all of a sudden they found themselves in the same worship service, they found themselves in the same congregation, they found themselves now in a New Testament church under one group of leaders, and they didn't have their own leaders, they had just one group of leaders. And so all of a sudden they, they, they realized that, that uh, you know, we don't, have the same representation here among uh, among the apostles Uh, you know uh, in in reality they had more representation because you know uh, only one or two of the apostles were even from Jerusalem so the apostles would have more been considered Hellenists and Grecians, but nonetheless, they could see that this, you know, uh, it, it looked like the hierarchy of the church was not favoring the Hellenists. They were favoring the Hebrews, okay? This is what we're reading into this. This is what history tells us. This is what the Word is telling us. So there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because the Hellenist widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Well, most likely, the Hebrew widows were being neglected as well. Okay? But they probably had a different source. And they, 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 they were probably from Jerusalem, and they probably lived there all their life, and they probably had a little better ways, you know, and means and, and, and support group. And so it may not have showed up as much in their life, but most likely these 12 apostles were not just, you know, uh, they, they weren't being discriminatory. Most likely they were doing everything they could. They were doing their best to lead a, a, a 5,000, 8,000-member church here. Uh, but, but, but the church was started in Jerusalem with these Jews accepting Jesus and, uh, uh, you know, here there are complaints and troubles, which are real troubles. They're not fake troubles. You know, the, the, the Hellenists weren't making it up. You know, our, our widows are not getting enough food. They're not getting food every day. Now, evidently, they fed them every day, which is a pretty good little deal, you know. Give us today our daily bread. That's kind of a really, you know, neat thing because you've got to come back every day and trust God every day. And then every day they were having to find food and provide food. And finding food and providing food and fixing food, for those of you who do that, know that that can be a, an absolute full-time job. Imagine doing that, you know, a, 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 a Brother Joe, imagine doing that for, you know, a, perhaps 8,000 people, <laughs> you know, every day. Wow. Okay, it would take more than a dozen of us to do that. And so, you know, uh, the remedy for the newly formed church here in Jerusalem was the same remedy that God gave Moses. It was the same remedy that, that we saw Jesus doing in his earthly life and ministry. Choose, train, ordain more servant leaders. 
this, this, this has been a, a, a job. It's been a requirement, a mandate on churches for 2,000 years. Trying to find more Sunday school teachers. Trying to find more ushers, trying to find more people that will work the information desk because people who come in, you know, uh, you know uh, they need to know where the restroom is. And that's critical. It can be a very critical thing. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, people need to know what age group is going where and what's going on. I mean, more, more administrators, you know, more, more people working the coffee bar. People want their coffee. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are some people, in, even in our church, that feel entitled to coffee every Sunday morning. Oh, come on now. This is good stuff. Well, coffee doesn't make itself. You know? Youth next door. I don't know how many tonight, but we, we probably have somewhere between 50 and 70 youth next door. Oh, my goodness. you know how many people it takes to manage that group? Especially since they aren't all mature. They're not even all born again. We're picking up some of them and bringing them up here. And it's, you know... The reason they're coming, and we're going to introduce them to Jesus, but the reason they're coming is they get to ride in a limo and they get to get away from the house for a little while and they get pizza. We're fishing. We have bait. And we have a great, you know, a great success rate in getting them born again. But while we're getting them born again, Chief has some security people over there. <laughs> Volunteering for nothing and for no thanks. Because these security people often have to say, I'm sorry, but two of you can't go into the bathroom and stay for 30 minutes. you got to come out. Oh, you know, you know, these people aren't getting paid over there to do that. They're shouldering. You know, we have, we have identified and we've solicited and we've, and, and, and we've chosen and we've, we've trained and we've equipped and we've released and given authority and, 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 and we're letting people a shoulder, a portion of the burden. And why? Because, you know, every time that, 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 that two people go to the restroom, they can't text me and me run over there and stand there and say, excuse me, but it's somebody has to. And that's what the church was facing. It was facing critical need because of, because of critical growth. Growth demands, and many times the reason why growth cannot be sustained and cannot be maintained is because you don't feed the people who come. You don't meet their needs. They start getting neglected. They go to the hospital and they don't get visited. They, they, they have a problem and they can't get in to see anybody for three weeks or three months. You know, uh, you want to get a good shock? Uh, uh, call Tina on, on, on tomorrow and, and try to get an appointment with me. You know? If you're dying, I'll come see you. <laughs> but if, you, if you're not dying, uh, Lord bless you. Why? Because there's a lot of people dying. You know, unless, you know, uh, unless, I mean, it's critical. Uh, and that's what... Moses said, you handle everything you can handle and the things that you cannot handle, the critical things, you bring to me and I handle them. And it's still a daylight to, to midnight job, but it is for everyone. Thank God for every one of our Sunday school teachers. Thank God for every one of our ushers and every one of our security and every one of our people who run puppets that never even get to be seen. That's, that, 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 that lay back there with 10 other people like cordwood, sweating and, and, and talking in funny voices. Lord, help them all. Help us all, Lord Jesus. You know? And what are we looking for? More. More. What do we need? More. 
And it can be thankless and it can be interruptive and it can say, oh my goodness, you know, I have to work security again tonight. Thank you. Because without it, we will not accomplish the goals that God has for us. And that is to reach, teach, and keep. Guard, guide, and direct. Love, encourage, and, and hold people. Welcome them and make them feel a part until we can plug them in and hope them that, that, that they will take a turn at service so that the church can continue to grow and be strong. Let's read the rest of this because next week it'll be chapter 7, okay? Read the rest of chapter 6, but let's just read uh, the next few verses. Uh, then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that, uh, that, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministry of the word. You know, the work will continue to increase in a growing church. It just will. And, and thus the need for a growing leader leadership structure. And, and uh, 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 Brother Bill Merritt back there uh, uh, in charge of our ushers, he can tell you uh, we have to continue to cultivate ushers. I mean, we have to continue to get more and more and more. Uh, you know, I'm, and, and, and I never do. I never have to. Sorry, Brother Bill, that I don't mention it more often. But, uh, you know, listen, if, if you are willing to be an usher, please let Brother Bill know, okay? Don't wait on him to come and tap you on the shoulder because he's busy. He's busy with everything from you know, somebody find me a mop where I can get this coffee off the floor, you know, to, to, uh, to who is going to open up the safe tonight. I mean, it's, it, it, it's reality. But thank you. My whole goal tonight in, in, in sharing this, and I've got uh, so many pages of notes, is, is that for us to imagine where we can serve in this growing church that God has. To help God's desire, what can we do? Where do we fit? How can we be a part of the solution? The ministry has continued to be performed for 2,000 years by people other than Jesus. Jesus got it going and he went home. He sent the Holy Spirit and he's expecting us to minister for him. Our church needs you. Someone, someone will be here Sunday that will not get encouraged. They'll come in and walk out. When it's critical, really, really critical, I think God does everything he's supposed to do in telling someone to please talk to that person. But more than one time I have run outside. I've left the pulpit and excused myself. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, I'll be back in a minute. And ran all the way to the parking lot. And sometimes I find them and sometimes I don't. I ran out one day and found a man. And I said, it was the first time to visit the church. And I said, listen, listen, wait, wait, wait before you leave. You know, uh, how you doing, you know? And he said, well, he just looked at me. And I, I said, uh, uh, you know, uh, my name is Ron. He said, yeah, I saw you up there. I said, I saw you too, and I just want to tell you that God loves you, and God has a plan for your life. I said, I believe with all of my heart that he knows exactly where you are and that he sent you here this morning. It wasn't an accident. He said, thank you, and everything, and he left. Well, 
through the process of the next few weeks and months, he continued to come to church, and, and uh, he even became a, a guitar player in our church and played for our church for, for about a dozen years. And then they moved off to another city. After he'd been playing to our, for our church for maybe three years, he said, you've never heard my testimony. I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, let me tell you. He said, I was in a hotel room down in Port Arthur, and I had a gun in my mouth, and I had the trigger pulled back, and I was about to blow my head off. There's no reason for me to live. And I told the Lord, I'll give you one shot, Lord. I'm going to drive down the road, and I'm going to go to a church. And if you, Lord, if you can speak to me, I won't kill myself. If not, I'm going to drive back home, back to the hotel, and I'm going to kill myself. He said, and you came all the way out in the parking lot. And you found me and you told me that God had a plan for my life. He knew where I was. But listen, folks. How many other people did God tell that morning to speak to that guy, to shake his hand? He came in late and he left early. We have to be on the watch for these. I was preaching one Sunday morning and there was a woman sitting in our congregation. Oh, I just kept on, I just kept on thinking, man, I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. I need to talk to her. It's just like God was saying, you know, just interrupting me while I was preaching. And I, I went ahead and finished my message and, 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 and she took off beeline out the back door. And, and I, I, I had to excuse myself. I stepped out of the pulpit and, you know, people are always, you know, coming for prayer, wanting to say, and I, I said, excuse me, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be right. I'm sorry. I'll be right. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'll be, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And I ran and I caught her outside out under the pavilion on the way to her car, and she was beelining it. And I said, wait, wait. I called her name, and I said, wait, wait. And she turned around and looked at me because, I mean, I, mean, I just said amen, and she just took off. And I said, listen, God knows where you are, and God has a plan for your life. And just give him a chance. You know, today's not the day to do anything drastic. Just give him a chance. She just looked at me. I said, I love you. God loves you. She walked off, got in her car, went home. I didn't know for a, a good while, months, maybe even a couple of years, you can ask her, I don't remember how long it was, that she came and she said to me, Pastor Ron, I had made my mind up on Saturday night and Sunday morning that I was going to divorce my husband. He wouldn't come to church. He, he wasn't living, you know, uh, for God. You know, I, I was just so frustrated. I, 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 just, you know, I, just, I just made up my mind, God, I'm going to divorce him. And I told God, I'm going to go to church this morning. And unless Pastor Ron speaks directly to me, I'm going to file for divorce. She said, in that morning, you chased me outside. And you told me God had a plan for my life. Wait, don't do anything. Let God have a chance. She said, did you know what you were saying? I said, I had no idea what I was saying. I was just saying whatever was, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just knew I had to talk to you. That's all I knew. I knew you needed somebody to touch you. That was Lynn Parker, Pastor Lynn Parker. When she told me that, I said, listen, 
Your husband's going to get saved. He's going to give his life to Jesus. He's going to come to church. She said, there ain't no way in the world. He will never come to this church. No way in the world. I said, yes, he will. Boy, she just gave me such boldness and faith when she told me that story. I said, yes, he will. She said, Pastor Ron, he's seen a lot of things from a lot of preachers. He's been a policeman for all the, y'all know TJ. Been, you know, and, you know, uh, they, they just aren't very high on the ladder, <laughs> you know, with him. And I said, I, I understand. He said, and she said, and, you know, uh, it, it just, it, he just, not, no, he won't. I said, yes, he will. I said, within six weeks, you're going to watch him walk this aisle. I was speaking by faith. I think it was about five weeks he came in and sat on the back row. And when the altar call came, he came down that aisle. And, you know, he ain't left it since. <laughs> That's been 20 years ago. Man, became our men's pastor. Yeah. Let me tell you, God needs somebody to touch people. He just needs somebody. He needs more bodies. How many people have I missed? I, if you've watched me at all, you know I take off out of here some, a lot. I could go on with these stories a long time. But you know what breaks my heart? It's the ones I don't find. What are you doing this Sunday? What are you doing for Jesus this Sunday? In the name of Jesus, I appoint you as an ambassador for Christ. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people sent forth to be the praise of God. You are a royal ambassador for Christ. You can do this. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know for some long time. I get letters from people I haven't even seen in 10 years that tell me that, you know, you said this to me in a critical moment and, and, and I don't remember changed my life. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm you know, uh, an elder in a church. Now I pastor a church. I'm, I, I, I don't know. I got a text just a couple of weeks ago with a picture that said, do you recognize these people? Somebody from Louisiana is sending me a picture. And I looked and I said, oh, I showed it to Jeff. I said, Jeff, do you recognize these people? He said, no. I said, oh. it, this was about after four or five days I've had this text. I didn't want to answer him back because I'm supposed to recognize everybody. And so I didn't want to answer him back. And I, but you know, and I recognized, I said, I know it is Jeff. And I showed him, he said, he looked, he said, oh my goodness, yes. You know, boy, I had an opportunity to be a part of a life change. They pastor a church now. They were, oh, I remember when I passed them in a hall back in 19, 80, 85, I passed him in a hall. The Spirit of God spoke to me. And I went, I turned around. I said, hey, guys, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. Brenda said, oh, no. <laughs> she was talking, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. I said, no, Brenda, listen, God spoke to me. And she was, she's always afraid what I'm going to say when I say God spoke to me. I said, you guys come to my house. You be over at my house in 10 minutes. I've got something to say to you.
Well, God changed their life. I got to tell you one more story before Jeff comes. I was sitting in a, some of you may have heard this story. I was sitting in a Wendy's. What did a Wendy's, Jeff? It was a Wendy's in El Dorado, Arkansas. Must have been 1985, 84, 85. Jeff had never seen me, didn't know me. I was sitting in a Wendy's. I'm not from El Dorado. He's not from El Dorado. We're both away from, from where we belong. Me and Brenda Eaton. And, uh, were, were you with other people? Danny oh, with, with Danny Jackson? Oh, wow. Danny Jackson. Uh, gosh. You don't know Danny. He's, he's come and ministered for us. And, well, at any rate, they were a lot younger. They were in college at, at Louisiana Tech University. And I started to leave that Wendy's that night. It was, oh, I don't know, 1030 probably. Might have been 11, 10, probably 1030 or so, 11 o'clock. And I just stood up and said, hey, everybody. <laughs> I just felt like God spoke to me and and, and, and Brenda against going, oh, no, oh, no. I said, hey, everybody. I just called to order the whole Wendy's. I said, listen, there's going to be a guy at our church, a special guy at our church down in Ruston, Louisiana, down south about, I don't know, 50 miles or so. I, uh, 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 I want all y'all to come. And, and, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have this guy actually at the Civic Center. It's going to be this time. And, 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 and you can all come and it's free. Come on. Well, I mean, we're in another city. We're way away from where we were. So, uh. We got ready to leave and everything. And I just had to say it again. So I got it. I just said it again. Hey, everybody, listen. You know, we're going to, you know, I went through it all. And they're nice and they're listening. You know, there's a lot of people in there. And then we started to leave and we got out almost the car. And I turned around. I went back in, opened the door. I said, hey, everybody. And a few people said, we know there's going to be a special guy at your church and you want everybody to come. I said, yeah. And it's going to be here. Well, Jeff was there. And Danny Jackson was there. And they came. And they're still here from 1985. Changed their lives. Changed my life. Changed Danny Jackson's life. Our church sent him and his wife to Mozambique for two years as missionaries from our church. Listen. There is a God. He will speak to you and speak through you. And the only thing Jesus said we are lacking is more willing workers. Labors. Yeah. I, I have looked like an idiot more than once. But I'll look like an idiot. Like David said when he danced, I shall be yet more foolish. I will stand up in more Wendy's. I hope I get a chance to see the same results pay off in your life. Be bold. Be courageous. Somebody out there needs you. And you may not know that day that you changed a life. You may not know for a year five years, 10 years, 15 years that you changed a life. But they changed because you touched them with God.
What are you doing this Sunday? Don't just come and sit in your pew. Make sure everybody gets something. At work, at church, 